and welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley Wolf. Sometimes I don't include the Farley, but I'm feeling a little punchy today. I'm here as always with my forever co-host, editor-in-chief and founder of Super Jump Magazine, James Burns. Hey James, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. Um, we were just saying before the show that we've both had a really busy, crazy, what, week and a half or something? Um, yeah. So it, it kind of feels like we're getting back into the groove now, which is nice. Yeah, I was um, I was busy with a uh, family reunion we had up in New Hampshire for my family. That was fun to do. Uh, and, and it sounds like you were busy with work. Work was crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I was... Uh, I was sick as well, um, so I'm I'm now recovered. I'm all good, so I'm I'm excited about this. Yeah, this is this is um this is fun. We we took a an extra break off of the podcast, um, which was it was almost the exact opposite of how I wanted to do the E3 scheduling. We did far fewer than normal. Um, Live and learn, you know. Next year, maybe we'll get it. We'll get it closer to how it's intended to be. Um, but it kind of didn't matter for reasons that we'll talk about throughout the show. Um, we have a good newsy nibble. I think I. I. It, it's juicy. It's not too much, but it's a just a a nice little appetizer. I'm excited to dish out, and uh, we have a great hot topic about the lack of a hot topic. And I'd love to get into all that stuff, but before we can, we need to do the Playtime Report. James, what have you been playing? (laughs) It's been oddly quiet for me for the the reasons I mentioned earlier. Um, I've still got my go-to Splatoon 2, which, by the way... Um, I don't know if you've been reading about this recently. Speaking of no news, there have been some articles recently about um, people hacking Splatoon 2. Oh, Um, interesting. And someone apparently put a... They hacked Splatoon 2 and they posted a message on... I think it's the on the leaderboard or the, the rankings or somewhere. I haven't actually seen it, but... Apparently, they posted a message that basically called on Nintendo to fix the hacking problem. Um, (laughs) And, of course, Nintendo has since banned them, which is, you know, fair enough, I guess. Um, I guess. I feel like they should, you know. They should probably be allowed to do that one. But no one gets to do it a second time. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, but the, the thing that I thought was weird about it was... Um, I've noticed people commenting on these these news items about hacking and ranting at Nintendo to fix the hacking and it's unacceptable. And I'm thinking, I play Splatoon 2 a lot. I play it every single week, at least a few matches every single week. And I mean, you know, I'm not the world's most observant person, I'm going to admit that. But I haven't noticed anything that seemed sort of obviously game breaking or you know that that seemed like someone's come in overpowered or that they've been doing things that they wouldn't normally be able to do in the normal game um so i just wondered if you'd heard anything about that because i i don't actually know what the consequence of the hacking really is 
So I haven't heard much about Splatoon 2 hacking, but I've actually heard quite a bit about Mario Odyssey hacking. Have you heard about this? No. Um, for Luigi's Balloon World, your mm. balloons that you place have your profile icon on mm. them. And there have been some hackers who have been able to replace that icon of, of their profile with any image they have. So there's actually been some pornographic um, balloons hidden around Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, just because, and that's one of, that's one of the more interesting hackings, hack, hackerings I've seen in video games. Cause that's like, that is exclusively a joke like that. Yeah. That can't in, increase your performance. It can't decrease someone else's. It doesn't yeah. get you into any areas you weren't able to go into before. It's just, you just want to show a little kid some porn like then that's the only thing that it does yeah it's it's i i hadn't heard about that um that's really bizarre and i mean it, it brings me back to the age-old question of just because you can you know like why would you actually yeah. bother doing that but anyway to each their own i guess um and it's it's also like back when uh luigi's balloon world was introduced it was interesting because it turned a game that was completely single player mm. into a game that suddenly had this multiplayer element that it never did before. Yeah. So, like, people were pretty prepared to just leave that as a closed ecosystem. Mm. It was just a, a finished game. It was how it was. Um, th there would never... <laughs> they weren't thinking of this as an issue at the time, but there would never be porn in it. It's... Just kind of, you know, a Mario game. And then all of a sudden you you just add all this stuff and uh, it is it just completely changes the, the prospect of how this game is played, how this game mm. works in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. And it, and it makes me wonder if... Because I think, as far as I know, <clears throat> this is the first time Nintendo's ever really faced something like this, where they've got this... Uh, I mean, obviously, the Wii and the Wii U had online games, but online is, is a pretty big part of the Switch experience, I think. Um, and there are a lot of games on Switch now that are kind of multiplayer-focused experiences. Um, so I wonder how Nintendo's going to deal with this. Um yeah, it's interesting. Um, in, in the past, I think the biggest amount of hacking that has been uh, part of online Nintendo games has been Pokemon. Oh, okay. Mostly because the, the Pokemon battle system is so numbers-based, it's so easy to upset the balance by just changing a single integer value. Mm -hmm. um, and, but that's mainly actually been a problem for tournaments, and uh in in more real life stuff yeah. this is this is kind of new yeah i think yeah um I'll, I'll i'll tell you what's also new kind of but just a little bit new <laughs> um donkey kong adventure the dlc campaign for mario plus rabbit's kingdom battle um i got this to play on my plane ride to the family reunion i was going to and I'll tell you what, I didn't play very much of it at all on the plane because um, I overestimated my ability to do that and not be sick. Mm. But um, 
I did just like one night while I was there, just pop it out and and play it there. And it's it's really good. It's um, as good as I remember Mario and Rabbids being at first, which is very good, um, very concise, and actually probably even more focused mm. than the original game because um, there's only like one solid team of three units you can use. Yeah. So it you don't have to. Um, I mean, picking your team is a really fun aspect of the the base game. It it allows for a lot of creativity and uh, allows you to just pour upgrade points into the characters that you think um, would would be most useful to have them. None of that's in this. You only have Donkey Kong, Rabid Peach, and Rabid Cranky Kong, mm-hmm. um, and all of those characters are they just they just go together so well, like they're built to be part of a team. Yeah, and I think that's pretty cool. And just the entire world of the game is new, and the music is great. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. Have you checked this out? That's awesome. No, I haven't yet. Um, do they add? much in the way of new mechanics and special abilities and that sort of thing. Yeah, so Rabbit Peach is the only carryover character and right. she functions more or less how she does in the base game. Um but like all of the upgrades you, you give to Rabbit Peach in the base game do not carry over here. Okay. Like she's been completely wiped of her upgrades and and weapons and uh um, skill tree points, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, you built her back up from scratch, and it is a little bit different. Donkey Kong and Cranky Kong, however, don't work anything like they do, uh, or like any of the other characters. They're not in the base game. They don't work like any of the other characters. Um, like, I guess you can consider Mario and Donkey Kong kind of similar because they're both units that just focus on, like, some melee damage and putting out a lot of damage at once Mm. but that is about where the comparison ends donkey kong can pick up anything yeah and i mean anything you can pick (laughs) up a teammate you can pick up an enemy you can pick up those like cover bricks oh wow Um, that's cool yeah yeah and just throw them anywhere uh you, you can pick them up you can walk with them and then you can throw them um and if you're not doing that like every turn you're not throwing something every turn. You're probably playing inefficiently. Mm. It's such a like an important, dramatically new aspect of the combat that you need to pay attention to. And Cranky Kong, I guess, is a bit more similar to the other guys where it's just like his weapon is a, a, a bit different, but he has a crossbow. And his crossbow automatically fires every time he does a team jump, like he jumps off of, uh, of Donkey Kong or Peach. Or if uh, Donkey Kong throws him while he's in the air, he just fires downward with his crossbow. Mm. And uh, that's just a like a free move. That doesn't count as any attack or anything. So um, you're able to put a lot of damage out every turn just mm. from the, the free things that Donkey Kong and Rabid Cranky can do. Uh, it really does change up the, uh, the way the game is played. I would have liked... If there was something at the end, um, and I'm actually not completely finished, but I've been assured that this isn't the case, and I don't really think this is a, spo- uh, this is a spoiler, there's nothing that kind of unites what you were able to do in the base game with the large collection of uh, playable characters. There's eight in there. 
where you can develop your own strategies and uh, decide how you want your team synergy to work out. And oh, the yeah. Do- Donkey Kong Adventure thing, where there's a more curated thing, you don't get to use Donkey Kong and Rabbit Cranky in the base game. And I don't think there's any modes where you, that um, where both of them, like both pools of characters, are usable. Oh yeah, yeah. I was wondering about that, whether or not it meant that you know it was going to be worth going back and playing the base game with these new characters. Um, yeah, not an option, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. But I, I kind of like the idea that um, it that it's not just a kind of cosmetic expansion. You know that it, that they're actually it's actually forcing you to kind of um, look at strategy in a different way. Um, I, I like it when DLCs do that in general. Um, so it sounds interesting. It sounds like it's worth getting. Is it fairly? Yeah. Is it fairly long? Like, is it is it a big amount of content or? Yeah, I. Um... I can't exactly tell how far I am yet, but mm. I've been hearing that it's about 50 to 75% the length of the base game, just oh, as wow. its own thing. Mm. And I, I believe that. It, it seems like that's the, the speed it's going at. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it's really, it's just substantial. It's just, it has its own cutscenes. It has its own, like, complete story. No environment is shared. It's all new stuff. Mm. um all the music is new it's like they've they've been working hard on this because this does not feel like a one-year thing well in some areas it actually um if there's one place i can knock this it's that it is pretty glitchy um it is hard to play through this like even any one sitting without encountering some sort of bug that maybe doesn't break the game but just uh completely takes you out of it like maybe the immersion it also can straight up break the game that's happened once uh just once though which is good yeah um yeah so so be careful of that but honestly it's not like that big of a deal uh, i'd like it to be fixed but i don't you know it's whatever yeah yeah it's not a deal breaker for you which is okay and and hopefully they i mean that sort of stuff they might um patch it or you know they might update it anyway and fix some of those things yeah yeah Mm. totally possible and uh i'd love to see that happen in the meantime however speaking of games that have both mario and donkey kong in them (laughs) it looks like you've been playing mario tennis aces how's that been i have um i have really um i have mixed feelings on this game Uh, um yeah I, I, uh, and, and that's why, you know, I was saying on our, um, on our discord chat that I actually had trouble reviewing this one, um, just because I found it difficult to come to a point where I kind of had a, a clear final thought about it. Um, there are aspects to it that I really, really love. Um, and there are aspects to it that I found, um, frustrating and, and a little bit painful. And I'm, you know, as I said in the, in the review that's up on super jump at the moment, um, I'm, I'm totally willing to admit that it could just be me and that somehow there's something I'm not getting. Um, because I, I went into this as someone who hasn't played the previous Mario tennis games 
So I wasn't in a position to, you know, compare this to what came before. I was kind of looking at it as a totally new experience for me. Um, and it's, I feel like it's the sort of game that, um, if you are, if you're a fairly sort of dedicated, hardcore player, I think you're going to enjoy it a lot more than someone who kind of just wants to dip in and out of it. Um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they, the developers have tried, I think, to cater for a lot of different play styles here. So, you know, basically you can play with just motion controls if you want, kind of like Wii Sports Tennis. Um, you can play with regular controls, but with simplified rules. Um, and, and if you happen to do that and play online, you'll quickly find that no one plays it that way online. You cannot find a match. Um, or you can play it with regular controls and like quote unquote regular rules, um, which it seems to be the way most people play it. Um, when I play it that way online, I just get totally destroyed every match. <laughs> I am so bad at it. Um, but the funny thing is when you, that's the way you have to play it when you play through the adventure mode as well. And I found the adventure mode to be at times a real uphill battle. Um, and for reasons that were kind of, um, surprising for a for a Camelot game and for a Nintendo published game um and what I'm referring to is the controls um oh okay yeah they so given the relatively few buttons on a you know on a typical switch controller like right yeah. they're doing a lot um there are a lot of uh different moves you can do with some combination of you know, moving the left or right analog stick, pressing a face button, um, that's all fine. But there are some key moves that involve moving the analog stick and double tapping a button. And they and the move that they trigger, the move that that triggers is sort of a quite a dramatic move. So to give you an example, um, if you press the X button, you'll just lob the ball. That's one of your normal moves. If you move the control stick and double tap X, you'll do this like really crazy roll where you quickly flip from one side of the court to the other. And the idea makes sense. Like the idea behind it is, you know, someone hits the ball way down on the other side of the court. There's no way you can reach it. But if you do this move quickly, you can kind of leap across and get to the ball. Um, so it's great when it works. But what I find is the matches are so fast and frantic that I was often just accidentally double tapping the buttons. So <laughs> I'd go to hit the ball and I'd fly across the court and I was sort <laughs> of doing things that I wasn't expecting. And, you know, I think part of it is just, it got a bit better with time. The more experience and practice I got, the better sure, I yeah. got at managing it. But it just, it felt a little bit, unintuitive the way that they'd kind of mapped the controls. And I thought, well, they've put a lot of moves in here that are very easy to trigger by accident that completely throw you out. Um, and, and that just got in the way for me quite a bit. Um, yeah, this, um, this whole game is 
so 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 very fascinating to me because it sounds like something that like you would look at a sports game like a mario sports game and you'd say this is really really simple and this is like good party stuff but at its core it's a multiplayer competitive thing so what if we just make it like um other very competitive multiplayer games like fighting games mm. what if what if we in like take some of that um tone some of that i guess um you know like just that 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 personality that game design philosophy and mm. go with that and then for its story mode people are like okay well it's also just a mario game what if it just had like a full adventure and they go with that as well and it, it just seems like a weird first outing for both of those things where maybe they just needed to think it through a little bit longer let it cook for just a little bit longer which i think they probably could have done because we're not in years we're not very far away from mario tennis ultra smash that wasn't too long ago mm. um i don't know like like how heartbroken people would have been if there if the mario tennis game for switch took a little bit longer um, I suppose it's one of the only things that first-party Nintendo was able to deliver in the first half of this year besides Kirby, so maybe they couldn't have done that. But it still seems like there's there's just something missing here. Maybe, um, like Donkey Kong Adventure's technical stuff, maybe the design weirdness of Tennis Aces could be... Could it be something that could be fatched out, or is this too, like, in, intrinsic to how the game is? Yeah, I, I think um, so. It's a very, I, I would say, like it. <clears throat> it's a very polished game. Um, it, it you know, it's it's beautiful. It runs well. It's it's very, it's very very polished. The sound design is fantastic. Blah blah blah. That's all great. I feel like um, it's a little bit at its core. It doesn't quite know what it wants to be. Um, in the review, I said that it feels like tennis mixed with Smash Brothers. It's um right. It's a game that is very. It, it's much more rewarding if you're really an expert player that really digs into it, and the 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 kind of difficulty curve is pretty steep. I think even just playing through adventure mode from the beginning, you'll very quickly find. You know, I think fairly early on, you'll very quickly find that difficulty curve starts spiking, which I think a lot of people will probably enjoy. Um, but it it brings in these different mechanics that don't make a lot of sense to me. So, you know, like you'll have some modes where um, you'll unlock new tennis courts, which is fine. Then you'll have a totally different mode to unlock characters. Um when you're playing through adventure mode, you you actually kind of level up Mario and you gain new tennis rackets and Mario has like really light kind of RPG stats, but the stats don't really seem to make any difference. Uh, not that I can really tell. I mean, I've I've leveled up Mario like crazy and the game doesn't really feel very different to me at all. Um, hmm. I think partly because all of your different special abilities you have from the beginning. So you never, you never get to the stage where, for example, um, you know, you're starting the game with simple tennis moves and then you're expanding your ability set as you go. You have everything right at the beginning. 
you just level up Mario in sort of weird ways. Like he, he apparently can run faster around the court. Um, some of his special moves will do more damage to enemies, but it, it all feels a bit um, confused at times. Um, right. So I think that's why I had trouble reviewing it because I was kind of looking for, you know, almost like a central thesis, like what is this game? What is it about? <laughs> um, and, it, and it's sort it's of about oddly, tennis, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you would think so, but it's 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 sort of half tennis, half almost competitive fighting game, half adventure game, half RPG. It, it, it sort of grafts all these different things together and. The, the thing that's weird is I came out of it thinking it's actually a good game. Like it's, it's fun to play and it's, it's interesting and multiplayer is great. Um, you know, it's, it's an enjoyable game. It's just sort of confusing. <laughs> hmm. Mm. Yeah. I, I, uh, I heard a joke that this is pretty much a fighting game because it launched with no content, um, which is <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> it's not too far from the truth either really we'll have to see how that goes mm. it it definitely seems like a a growing game in some ways um i'm i'm sure that this will get something not like maybe maybe not to the level of splatoon or even arms but a couple new modes in the future i i could expect to see from this game it uh it's probably the best selling mario tennis game right like this game had a huge profile yeah, and it's it's kind of uh, in in terms of like big Nintendo published releases, like there's there isn't much else directly around it that's sort of competing with it. Um, and Nintendo have promoted it really, really heavily. So um, yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what the support looks like ongoing. I mean, if they did, my thinking is if they did some big kind of online tournaments like time boxed tournaments almost like the splatfests in splatoon and they had a really good reward for winning the tournament and that sort of thing that that could be pretty cool if they lean into that side of it yeah that would be cool um okay i've got two more games i've played and i'm gonna go through both of those really quickly um hollow knight also played it on the plane this is a great game like i was i was struck immediately oh damn, I was missing out the whole time. This is an amazing game. Um, I didn't play nearly as much as I want to. All, I don't even want to say like much more about it until I get a lot further. Um, and just what I will say in the time being, it is interesting to play uh, Metroidvania where the combat is so melee heavy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's Castlevania, of course, um, but that's... I've always felt that the term metroidvania is weird because it's like castlevania really isn't that much like a metroidvania um oh, it's not I, as much unless, as metroid it's a lopsided term it, it is um the only a lot of castlevania games aren't i think it's usually referring to something like symphony of the night which is very right. yeah very very much like that but i'm i'm i didn't put hollow knight on my list but i have played a little bit of it like you i just kind of started it and i can't wait to get into it further because it is just gorgeous yeah it was 
in it, it's one of those things where like I was I was meeting characters in the game, I was finding bosses, I was finding all this hidden stuff, and I almost want to start over completely because as I was doing it, I was feeling like oh man i can tell this is like interesting and i want to be invested in it and i'm i'm like not in a headspace where i can fully be that right now so i felt like i was doing the game a disservice Mm. yeah Yeah. the second thing i've been playing is uh becoming a trend on playtime report it's of Mm. course pokemon go um i like playing pokemon go a lot as i i've said before it's a good way to get outside and meet people get some exercise uh visit some parts of your own backyard that you probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. And mm-hmm. I got to do that in New Hampshire. Um, and I got to do that in New Hampshire on Community Day for the month of July. This Community Day guest, uh, not guest starred, it did star um, Squirtle. Oh, so yeah. there was Squirtle everywhere for about three hours on a Sunday. And if you were lucky enough to just be able to walk around at that time you would you would find so many squirtles just everywhere popping up and they did a special event where um during this time if you were to spin a pokestop you would get a special research task which is like a little mini achievement mm-hmm. um that, that gives you some like sometimes extra pokeballs or maybe a random encounter with a pokemon or like currency whatever um but for just these three hours every research task you would get is catch five squirtle and if you do it the reward was an an encounter with another squirtle but (laughs) the squirtle that you would encounter for this research task had sunglasses like in the anime (laughs) the the squirtle squad sunglasses um so that was cool (laughs) Then, I was right. more excited about that than maybe I should have been. <laughs> There's a Squirtle Squad. There is a Squirtle Squad, yeah. Um, oh. They are a firefighting uh, group. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, well, I think that maybe the, in the show, it's been a while since I saw this episode, but they started as a, um, as like a gang, but then <laughs> they got reformed and now they fight fires. <laughs> <laughs> um, which they, being water type Pokemon, are naturally adept to do. Yeah, and I, look, you know, I'm I'm glad that some Pokemon. I mean, other than Detective Pikachu, I'm glad that some Pokemon are actually doing a service for the the hardworking taxpayers uh, out mm-hmm. there. I, I think that's good. That's a that's a great angle, James. I don't think people are talking about how much Pokemon are just <laughs> mooching off of society. <laughs> Yeah, it's not part of any political platforms I've seen. Maybe it should be. <laughs> yeah, maybe it should be. <laughs> yeah. Let's give these Pokemon jobs. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on Community Day, for for all of the past Community Days, they've also put out the shiny form of, that, of the Pokemon in, in question for the first yeah. time. So you can get a shiny, or you could have gotten a shiny Squirtle, which is fun because it's got a green shell instead of normal, and it well actually doesn't look that great. But if you, if you evolve, evolve it into a Wartortle or a Blastoise, it turns like purple and it's got a very green shell. And if I I managed to get, and this is just like way too lucky of me, I managed to get a sunglasses Squirtle 
that was shiny, and also I evolved it into a Blastoise within that time period. And, like, the last part and the coolest part of the community day is that if you evolve the Pokemon in question all the way mm-hmm. um, to the to the top of its chain, it learns a special move that it absolutely cannot learn anywhere else. Um, so I managed oh, to get okay. a shiny Sunglasses Blastoise with pretty good stats that has that move. And uh, I think it's probably just my... This is, like, just my favorite thing that I have now. Mainly because the sunglasses just make it look so nonchalant. <laughs> yeah, it's just hanging out. You know, no it's big deal. It's just hanging out. Yeah. It's thinking about maybe later I'll, I'll go fight a fire, but for now I'll just chill <laughs> yeah. out with a brew. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I totally could fight a fire if I wanted to, if I feel like it, you know. Yeah, but who wants to, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, speaking of people not really wanting to, let's hop into the newsy nibble. Okay, in in case you have no idea where that segue was going, because I realized (laughs) just now it's pretty vague, here's what we're talking about. Konami has shut down the highly anticipated PT uh, redevelopment effort. It was entirely done by one fan. Mm-hmm. Um, he was trying to put together PT as it was, except on PC as something that he could put out there just as a free download, um, just for not, n- not conservation. What is the word I'm looking for? Just, um, t- t- um to have it around posterity. forever. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Posterity. Mm. Um, because of course you cannot download that game. Uh, if your PS4 doesn't currently have PT, it will never have PT. Um, Konami has completely delisted it from uh, the PlayStation Store and has publicly said they have no plans um, of of every of ever putting it out again. Um, now, here here's a little bit of the uh, the the sunshine on the rain cloud right here. Uh, Konami was nice about it and apparently offered the developer an internship because they were impressed by the effort that went into the recreation, uh, which is cool. Um, but still, it's gone. Like, st- it, what they did send out a cease and desist and everything. Mm. Yeah, and uh, maybe this is just an urban legend, but uh, the the guy that was making this, didn't he say that this was his first game-related project, and he was pretty much self-taught. Yeah, I, I believe that's true. It was a pretty, pretty amazing thing for him to just do. Yeah, and I feel like it's something only someone like that can do. Because if you're from the industry, you obviously can't put your reputation on the line like that. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think it. Yeah, like it, it's amazing to me how much he did in such a short time. Um, and I mean, you know, I hope, I hope he gets a job out of it. I hope he's not just fetching coffee for people at Konami. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, that, he actually gets to do something that would be cool. Um, and I, there must be, there must be something I'm missing here about PT because I'm thinking to myself, the game's already been developed uh, it's it's fairly small. Um, it would be 
presumably very easy and fairly inexpensive for Konami if they wanted to, to even port this game to other platforms. There's almost nothing of it. So it's it, it can't be hugely complex to port. Um, it I mean, it's almost free money, right? Like, even if they yeah. sold this thing for five bucks. Yeah, uh, yeah, like, I mean, wow. yes, but... <laughs> It's just, it's so good. And it's, it's just, um, I mean, I've got it on my PS4 and I, when I upgraded from a, a PS4 to a PS4 Pro, I really diligently, carefully um, moved all my data across from one to the other because I've got PT sitting on there and I desperately don't want to lose it. Right. Um, and I'm just hoping to God that it f- can follow me to PS5 and... You know, I'll still be trailing this thing along until I'm ancient. Um, so, it, and that's kind of frustrating that I have to do that. Like, I actually think this is one of those games that could almost do with a physical release and probably be commercially pretty successful. Even if they do nothing to change it or add to it, just release it as it is physically. That would be awesome. Yeah, I I honestly think that this is like PT kind of like affected me a lot. It was a very personal game to me. Um and it it feels in some ways like how Mario 64 um like what was that 3D game that people were finally like, "Oh, 3D, I get it." Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. I know how this works now. Mm. Where PT to me at least was that for horror games like it took it from one thing to another thing um where like the design of the game is horror it's not like it's a shooting game with a horror aesthetic or anything like that like no it just the the play of it is horror mm. um which is so interesting and yeah i don't know if we've ever seen anything like it yet um the the aesthetic tone of it is definitely um you can tell that Resident Evil 7 borrowed from it. But, oh, absolutely. But uh, the the actual gameplay of it, we've really not seen too much. If no. I were Konami, though, like, I understand why they're not doing it, because it's still... I mean, PT means playable trailer, and it's still so associated with another project that just was cancelled that this was supposed to be the demo for. Um, like yeah. if Silent Hills can't exist, maybe PT can't exist either. But I would really love it if they just said, "No, actually, we're gonna put it out now again. This time, we're just gonna call it Silent Hills from the beginning. Like its new name is Silent Hills, and it's just it is PT. Just you have it now. It's yours. Um, they could charge up to like probably ten bucks without it getting too crazy. Um. That would yeah. be amazing. Like, it deserves to be out there. Uh, yeah, I think it does. Um, and, you know, even if they even if they released it as PT, but they took away the, you know, it's got the Silent Hills trailer mini short thing at the end. Even if they took that away and just left the rest of it intact. I mean, I just, nothing bad can come from actually releasing this thing on its own into the wild um people that haven't played it really should play it uh, especially if you love horror it's just so incredible and even 
even watching it on YouTube or Twitch isn't the same. You really, you really need to sit with it yourself and, and be in control yourself. Um, it is such a, it's such a clever psychological experiment. Um, I've definitely never seen anything like it before. Yeah. And, and one of the things I love about it, and it's, um, this is something that's obviously, uh, it was better when, when it was all new and fresh, but you know, when it came out, um, the way Konami released it, it was, it was just quietly released out there and it, you know, they, they, um, they didn't release it under the Konami name. It was from this fake indie studio and all the rest of it. And one thing I really loved about it was the way that it's got so many hidden messages in it that the community just went crazy for. And there are these massive, massive conversations online where people have, you know, dissected screenshots and captured sound and played sound backwards and decoded numbers. And yeah, it was, it was this really crazy interactive experiment. So, you know, there's the game itself and then there's the actual kind of interaction within the community um, all around the world. And I think that's really, I guess more games are probably doing that now than they used to, but that was something that seemed really deliberate about PT that they were really, you know, Kojima was really trying to do that. Um, and it was so successful at that. That was a big part of the fun. Yeah. It was such a good like exercise in community and um, horror and all of those things that it does. It mm. was such a good version of that, that like I was so afraid that the game itself would suck. Yeah. <laughs> like Silent Hills yeah. were just like, this isn't even close to what pt was which is maybe good that it never happened in that case but i mean i still would have liked to see more of that i don't know if it just would have been like a really big house or multiple houses and it's like a level thing or just a house is one part of it but mm -hmm. um like i don't even know what the expansion of that of pt looks like i still can't envision it um and uh maybe yeah, now i never have to <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you don't have that that burden anymore mitchell <laughs> yeah james can we we're, we're pretty i mean as far as definitive political stances go we'll say our own <laughs> stuff but super jump is pretty apolitical but can we make a campaign um konami J just whip this game out just do it <laughs> <laughs> you you have it it's done you've done it before it, it's still current gen it's not new hardware just put it back out the way it was or charge or change the name whatever you gotta do to do it maybe you need to take out norman Reedus. maybe you gotta take out the name silent hills at the end make that's fine make the adjustments you need but <laughs> just whip it out just whip out this game yep like uh, do it I, I can get behind that. And if it's really too hard, Konami, just give it to us and we'll publish it. Like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Super Jump will publish this Super game. Super Jump will publish it. We're, we're ready and waiting, Konami. Um, yeah. If that's Not going to lie. We haven't done anything like that before and we'd probably be bad at it. But <laughs> we will hey, do it. We, we'd get it out there, I guarantee. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just... 
it's one of those big tragedies, right? It's it's just sitting there somewhere, you know, it, it's and there are so many people that aren't able to experience it. It's really sad. Yeah. Hashtag just whip it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go haggle down the price of some pregnant polyworld keychains at Hot Topic. It's here, James. The silence is here. <laughs> E3 came. E3 wins. There was... Um, well, actually, I'm not going to say that there was a smorgasbord of gaming news reveals at E3. Because it was a little bit lighter than normal. But there was a, a good amount. And now there just isn't. Um, what do you do? When there's no video game news whatsoever. <laughs> it looks like both of us actually found ourselves preoccupied with other things. Yeah. But I feel like if there was something serious and big going on in video games, I would be still focused on it despite being busy with other things. Because that's just, I don't know, we both are about to video games pretty much. We would have mm. found a way to think about it when we're busy. Yeah. Um, and we, we kind of didn't. What's going on, man? Can can I've I've been feeling more and more like um the gaming industry has synced up um mm, more than yeah. it used to. Mm. Like 2017 yeah, was so. when all of the big stuff um finally synced up to come out at once, which is why that year is considered such a good year for video games. And now maybe we're in like a a dry spell a little bit. I mean like not completely. We still got, um, we got a Smash Bros. coming out this year. We got Spider-Man coming out this year. There is stuff, but it it's less, and the news about it is much less. Yeah, I, I feel like the whole industry takes a big, deep breath right after E3 and just gathers themselves up, and yeah. I think it, that lull won't last very long because... Um, you know, it, it used to be the case that all of the major news of the year was pretty much packed into maybe E3 and maybe something like Tokyo Game Show. But now you've got so many major conventions all around the world. You've got um, companies like Nintendo doing Nintendo Direct where they're speaking with, you know, with fans without actually... Um, doing a big press conference and all the rest of it and they can really control the timing and the content for that so you know i, I think it's it is a lot more distributed through the year um i'm i'm kind of to be honest i'm kind of a little bit happy that there's a slight lull at the moment because um i've actually taken the time a little bit recently to uh catch up on adding to my my game collection a little bit um and i mean like my retro stuff um right yeah and i've been going to some events here in melbourne um there's a really good one it, it's still really really small um and that actually makes it awesome and really worth going to um I've actually got the website here. I should have put this as my after-school activity. Maybe I'll sneakily add it. Um, okay. It's it's this really tiny little... I don't know what you'd call it. It's it's like 
kind of like a swap meet. It's called Go Game Out. Okay. Um, and the address for these guys is gogameout.com. And basically what they did was, um, I think it was end of June this happened. Um, they just, they rented out a space uh, in, in like a town hall here. And part of their event is like a kind of traditional sort of swap meet. So, you know, people, different traders come and, and purchase tables and sell their stuff. Um, they had artists selling stuff. They had uh, an area with podcasters. Um, they had an area with local multiplayer games. They had a real focus on indie stuff, especially indie content that was being made by developers here in Australia. Um so like one of the games they had was golf story, for example, um, in June. Um, and they're doing their next event in October. Um, That's awesome. and it's, it's, it's really cool because I went there like all cashed up thinking, you know, see what we've got. And there was some insane stuff there, Mitchell, like really insane stuff for really good prices. I know I sound like I'm shilling for them. I swear they're not paying me. <laughs> <laughs> it was just genuinely great because I think sometimes you go to those types of events and it's kind of like, um, you know, it, it's things that you've seen everywhere else and, you know, the, the sorts of things you can buy are pretty common stuff. But this event had all sorts of crazy, crazy stuff. Like people were selling a lot of original um like retro consoles that were mint condition in their original boxes and even nice. original controllers in boxes that were all still sealed. Like it was really crazy. So I randomly bought something that I cannot physically use. I just wanted to buy it. I bought a Famicom disc system. Um, no way. Cool. In the box and everything. So there is a way I can use it, but it's it's a bit it involves a bit of um mucking around and buying some like third party equipment and that sort of stuff but i just always wanted to own one and now i do um so if there's anyone listening that's in melbourne you got to check them out that's a good thing to do if there's no game news to follow yeah well i mean we aren't shilling for them but we're open to it also i just want to put that up out there um if you want if you want to sponsor the super jump podcast um we're not gonna say no but maybe part of that is just because we have so little else to talk about this week um yeah we even skipped a week and, and nothing is going on um man that sounds cool though um Trying to, yeah, trying to it's get just a little... like, sorry. No, no, yeah. go ahead. What were you saying? Uh, no, it's just like, um, you know, when, when there's a lot of stuff going on, um, obviously that means from our point of view, there's a bit more of a, that there's more to cover. There's more to read. There's more to be kind of invested in. And when you get these momentary periods where there's a bit of a lull, it's like, okay, I'm going to just kind of go away and do these other things for a while. Um, so it's really nice. And I mean, I mind you, I haven't made a dent in my, my backlog of games really. And I've just 
I just bought Octopath Traveler today, which I'm excited to play at some stage. So, um, Ooh, yeah. Backlog is always a good thing to do if, when there's nothing else happening. Right, right, right. And the, the thing is, like, E3 gets you so interested in yeah. very specific things, right? Like, mm. I am on board for Spider-Man. That game looks awesome. But that game comes out in September, so, like, you can't do another big blowout of information. The blowouts of information for that game are, like, done. Um, the next big thing for that game is release. Um, and and then you have a little bit of the opposite thing with uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, where I am on board for this game, and you know I am, because we've talked yeah. about it a couple times on this podcast already. Yep. And um, I'm just so ready for, like... Obviously, a new character announcement would be crazy exciting or, or like, more details on modes and stuff in that game would be big. But mm-hmm. I just went, like, come on, man. Tell me, like, what's a, what's a new Pokemon you can find in the Pokeball item? Just give me something. Just give me, like, a little <laughs> bit of information. A tiny bit more than I currently have. Yeah. That'd be, that would be so great. Because I just, I like, I'm so in this headspace that uh they got me interested for and i and i wonder like how appropriate is something like e3 where you don't actually need that far out um like marketing anymore it's kind of a remnant of of an older time where you need to talk to the stores ahead of time and say like hey we're making this product for you to stock mm. um and that's, I mean, that's just not what E3 is for anymore. They have those meetings privately and uh, um, independently. So, like, why, why, why tell me then when I have to think about it just for six <laughs> months without being able to act on it at all? Um, and especially when you're going to just produce the, these droughts of information like this. Like, uh, Nintendo Direct is expected soon. And I say expected, not planned, because there won't be one soon, I'm pretty sure. Like, they they gave out their big, like, collection of information at E3. I don't know what they could possibly have now. Um, And, and, and fans are already saying, like, well, there's one right around the corner. There's not, man. It's been one month since their big blowout of the year, and they don't even... Well, they don't seem like they're planning that much more, we... for right now, at least. Yeah, I think that's the key. Like, um, I don't think there's going to be anything really, really soon. Um, but I think there'll definitely be another fairly big update from them a bit later in the year. And I don't know whether that will be, you know, that might be more like October, November time period rather than, you know, July, August. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, this quiet period is interesting. Um, and I, and I think, um, as I say, it's kind of like, um, everyone has their go-to thing that they do. Um, you know, so if there's, if there isn't much new for me to talk about, then that's when I get into my retro stuff, whether it's collecting or whether it's, um, like there are a lot of YouTubers that make awesome documentaries and I get right into all of that sort of stuff. So it's kind of like I go back to my video game comfort food um, yeah. during these times. I, um, uh, as most 
people who uh, talk about video games online in any capacity. I have a huge backlog of games because it's hard to do that and also play all the games you would normally do with that time. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say, like, oh, this is great. I can just get into my backlog. It's really hard to put yourself in a mental state where you're gonna start your backlog, you know? Like, <laughs> there's is, a reason yeah. it's a backlog. Like, those yeah. games... <laughs> Like, I wasn't interested enough <laughs> to start them, but I was mm. interested enough to, like, maintain them. It's hard to get to a place where, like, oh, okay, I'll play this. <laughs> uh, I'll get back. I'll get around to it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what it is. There's, yeah, there's some sort of psychological block going on there. It happens with me, too. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, the thing is, I also know that the minute I start playing one of those games that I've been meaning to get to for ages, something will, something new will be released. So, you know, like I mentioned Octopath Traveler and I, I'd played the demo of that and really loved it. And, and as you might've seen, it's been getting incredible reviews. It's, it's, it seems like it's really living up to, to its promise. Um, and I bought, today I bought the, I forget the actual name of it, but it's like the collector's edition version. Oh, yeah. So, because um, it's really, really cool. You have to check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, so, I want to play that, but it's kind of like, I want to dive into that, but I still haven't finished goddamn Persona 5. <laughs> <laughs> and you know like i sort of feel bad about starting a new massively long rpg when i've got another one that i really like that i haven't finished um and the fact that i worry about that at all feels really wrong and self-entitled but here we are yeah i mean that's <laughs> that that is how it is with the <laughs> amount of games that are coming out these days um I feel like there are f few enough games where it still feels like I need to know basically all of the big ones. If there were more games, I'd be much more at peace just saying, I'll never get to that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and if there were fewer games, I just would be able to get to everything. But uh, where where they are right now, just the quantity feels like it's in a bit of a sweet spot where I can... Uh, just get really worried about missing stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's geared for it's it's in that sweet spot for maximum gamer anxiety, which is really great. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at the uh, Wayfarer's edition for Octopath Traveler. This is cool. Yeah, so it's got I a little wonder... pop-up book. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, I. I saw, uh, so there's quite a few of those still around at, in different retailers here in Australia. And um, I thought, like, I have no idea how popular it will be here. But I thought, even if I'm not going to play it right now, I want to go and I want to get that version and I want to go and get it while I can. Right, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it looks cool. I hope that game does well. I hope that game does well enough... Um, for a lot of reasons. I, I feel like it's unfair, but there's some stuff writing on it. Mm. Um, like the future of big budget turn-based RPGs. Um, and the future of Square's presence on the Switch. And a lot of that kind of stuff. 
Um, unfair that this one game has the onus of carrying that torch, but, uh, it kind of does. I don't know. That happens sometimes. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And it it seems as though, you know, again, just kind of looking at the reviews, it seems as though it's, uh, seems to be filling a really significant gap in the Switch library. Um, and the demo was so good. I really enjoyed the demo and I was really hoping that the final game will be, will actually be that good. So I am looking forward to playing it, but I I do want to be, it's like what you were saying earlier about being in the right mindset with Hollow Knight. Um, You know, I feel like it's the sort of game that you really can't, you really can't just juggle it like you would Mario Tennis or Splatoon or something like that. You've really got to, I feel like I've really got to pay it its due and, and, you know, be kind of fully immersed in it to, to really enjoy it. Yeah, it seems like it's strength, like the thing that I'll really remember from it, if it is good at it, which I, I probably am not in a position to estimate, um, is, is going to be its story and just how invested, like, this eightfold path of people like coexist with one another and how that goes yeah and uh in i like its art style a lot but it is not flashy it purposefully so um and when it when a game is not flashy in the way it looks like that it's really hard to um get invested in a story if you're not like actively very um just 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 very focused reading it you know you know what i mean like, uh, you have to treat it like a book. You can't just read it while there's music in the background or playing a podcast or something like that. Not that I usually do that with games, but I know a lot of people do. Um, and and uh, you probably can't do it while you're trying to think about, like, what you're going to have for dinner later that day. You need <laughs> to be focused on reading the, the, the trials and tribulations of these people in the game, uh, based on the demo, at least. Well, and uh, yeah, that, that's going to take some time to get into as a as a mental state that's true although i think one thing that really helps is um the voice acting in this game is is really right yeah unbelievably good i thought even in the demo it was really incredible um and and it's such a the voice acting is sort of so rich and well done that i feel like it it makes up for it makes up a little bit for the fact that when the actual characters are talking, they're just a bunch of sprites and they're not, you know, like what do you pay attention to while characters are in dialogue and you're not just reading screens and screens of text. Um, I think that will help, but we'll see how it goes. This could be one of those games where in several months time, I'm complaining that I'm a third of the way through and, and I'm not finishing it and it's going forever. Um, We'll see. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem um, quite as long as maybe some of the older style Super Nintendo RPGs it's based on, uh, which is probably good, being that it's just a Switch game and the way people play those is more piecemeal and yeah. um, disconnected. That's probably a good thing. That said, um, you know, from... Square Enix's first really significant switch outing, you would expect 
maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit of a, a grander scope. Still looks super cool. By the way, um, talking about turn-based RPGs, total mm. side note, um, I just I was just at a party earlier today for um, a, a good friend of mine who, when I arrived there, <laughs> was playing Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door just on their TV, just waiting for people to show oh. up for their party. Um, total, wow. they were not the kind of person I would have expected that from at all or anything. Just a yeah. weird thing. So I'm glad that <laughs> people are still playing that game. That's great. That's a good game. Yeah, it's 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 really, it's interesting you say that because, again, side note, but I, I went to uh, to a friend's house last night who will be listening to this show. He's the guy that uh, that told us to stop talking about Zelda. And by mm. the way, he just got a Switch for his birthday with Zelda, which he loves. So take that, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> told you so. Uh, <laughs> but just one of the one of the side notes was that we somehow like there there were people there who who um, you know we weren't really all gamers or anything. There were only a couple of us I thought that were. But but I got chatting with someone there who. Um, you know, seemed to be sort of total non-gamer. We got chatting a bit about games and he started reminiscing about how um, he's still got all of his original PlayStation games and he's still kept them. And we started talking about Switch and he's never played Nintendo before or anything like that. And it just struck me that it's kind of like what you're saying about the guy that was playing Paper Mario and you would never have expected it. Um, we, we ended up getting into this really interesting discussion about kind of video game nostalgia and collecting and all that sort of thing. Um, so it's just, it's just interesting. Like if you actually get into those conversations with people, it's, it's sort of like more people than you, than you think are actually not only play games, but, kind of have their own interesting histories with games as well yeah 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 mm. um yeah there there are for sure um especially with uh with with something like zelda specifically ha michael talking about it again um <laughs> y- you can just bring that game up and then there, there will be people around that'll say like, "Oh man, I, I, uh, I've been thinking about just getting a Switch just for that game. That, that game looks crazy." Yeah, because um, it is. Okay, I guess that's what you do when <laughs> there's no news. <laughs> um, if you want to provide some news, if maybe we missed something big that happened over the last couple weeks, and you want us to make sure we talk about it, you can do so by messaging us at the email address podcast at superjumpmagazine.com once again that's podcast at superjumpmagazine.com that's all one word superjump magazine and no capital letters even though i'm not sure if that matters scientists aren't sure yet uh if emails need to be capitalized (laughs) correctly um let's jump into our after school activities after-school activities are, of course, the um, things we recommend our listeners do or, or uh, just partake in in between episodes of the Super Jump podcast because we do only record every two weeks rather than every week. So I'll, I'll start with mine. This is uh, pretty simple. 
It's Pokemon Go related, so make sure you got that app downloaded. Go catch a Pikachu with a straw hat. It's July. It's the summer. It is the second anniversary of the game Pokemon Go, and Niantic has put out every Pikachu now has a straw hat. What does oh, it do? Awesome. Nothing. It's just a straw hat. <laughs> um, can it be what removed it need and put to on do? other Pokemon? Nothing. <laughs> no, it cannot. It is. It is very much biologically attached to this Pikachu. <laughs> that said, it does have a straw hat, so you need to go and get it. Uh, it's important, you know, just for posterity. We learned that yes. word earlier in the episode. Uh, you know you're down. It's just a short walk, probably. The spawns for Pikachu is higher than normal. Go get your summer summer hat Pikachu. Um, it also has sunglasses, um, despite not being part of the Squirtle Squad. So, there you go. That's your after-school activity. Go catch a Pikachu with a straw hat. Mm, now hang on a minute is pikachu with a straw hat going to be uh is he does he have a straw hat in the southern hemisphere where it's winter yes i believe he does (laughs) i I believe pikachu does um Mm. now during the winter when the snow falls you sometimes need sunglasses as well just because of the the um (laughs) ultra refracted sun reflection off the snow um so it still makes sense in that way it's shielding uh from uv radiation in either case um and that is my story and i'm sticking to it go catch a pikachu (laughs) with a straw hat it is your after school activity for this week james what's yours (laughs) Well, <clears throat> this feels very timely with the uh, the recent pickup of the Famicom Disk System. Um, I'm recommending a new video by my favorite, totally non-religious, quasi-religious, Metal Jesus Rocks. Um, I've recommended him, I think, a couple of times before. Um, yeah, I want to say this is your like third or fourth time. It's got to be, yeah. And, and again, I'm I'm not being funded by him. Um, if he's listening, he's welcome to. <laughs> but um, this video is just about, it, it's basically everything you need to know if you are thinking about collecting for the Famicom disk system. So it talk, they talk about the hardware, they talk about the games, um, they also talk about the fact that playing a Famicom disk system with an actual Famicom is exceptionally difficult to do these days for a whole host of reasons, hmm. um, largely to do with the difficulty around connecting a Famicom to any kind of television, even even a CRT, um, a, a non-Japanese CRT. So... The good news is you don't actually have to do all of that. You can use, there is a way to use a Famicom disk system with a regular good old Western NES console. Um, Oh, interesting. Yeah, there are some third-party tools out there that that allow you to basically plug it in and um, like plug it in through the, what do they call it? Uh, Like the, the toaster version or whatever. The, oh the right, 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 right. Uh, yeah. the where you plug in, in the front. What is, wait, hang on. Front loading, top loading. The front loading. Yeah, yeah. 
um, there is a way for you to use it with that Western front loader. So you don't actually need a Famicom, which is really cool. And a couple of really interesting things with the games. One is that these games were on discs that were proprietary, but they were kind of like those original floppy disks for, for those uh, young people who don't know what that is, you may want to Google it. Uh, but for everyone else that's ancient like me, they're kind of like floppy disks. And what's fascinating about that is that they were rewritable. And that was actually the point. You could buy a game, normal retail game, and you could go to a big kiosk in somewhere in Japan. They had them in all different stores everywhere. You could buy another game. So you, you would pick a game on this kiosk. You would put your disc in and it would write that game onto your existing disc. Right, um, yeah. And there were... Most, game, most discs have a side A and a side B with a different game on each side. So one of the kind of funny things is if you buy one of these games now, uh, it might say that it's Super Mario Brothers 2 and actually it's got something completely different written on it because someone put it into one of these kiosks years and years ago. Um, there are some interesting disk system exclusives that you can get as well. And I think probably the most interesting one is a game called um, Doki Doki Panic. Oh, right, which, yeah. Yeah, which which is, of course, um, the game that the Western Super Mario Brothers 2 was was based on that it, that's effectively what it was it just had mario sprites inserted into it um but the original game the original version is a famicom disk system game that you can still buy cool yeah hmm. that's the, um is this something you're trying to do trying to uh affix your disk system to your western nes uh it's something i might do eventually i one of the things that i have to check um and i haven't done this at all yet is these famicom disk systems have a component inside them that's like a uh trying to think of the word it's it's like um it's basically like a a a little rubber band oh okay it's it's to do with the actual disk loading mechanism i think and these these little parts are very very fragile, and they they essentially disintegrate after a period of time. So, apparently, if you buy a Famicom Disk System now, there's a very good chance that that part will be broken. Um, hmm. It's apparently very easy to replace. You can buy them for a couple of bucks. Um, so you can go down that path if you want to use the original hardware. But there are these other like third party tools uh, that, that like almost like hardware mods, basically, that you can just plug into your NES that will have a little slot that will accept the Famicom disc. So you can actually play Famicom disc system games without any of the hardware at all. Uh, it just depends how, you know, how much you want to kind of tinker with the original hardware and, and be as kind of authentic as you can. Yeah, yeah, it, it sounds uh, sounds like a fun project if you're up for it. Yeah, it's something I'll probably do bit by bit because I sort of, 
um, because I collect for a few different, um, like I collect Nintendo stuff, Sega stuff, PlayStation stuff. I sort of, um, I'll go through periods where I'll collect something really specific for Dreamcast, for example, and then I'll go back and do Famicom stuff and, and I just do it really slowly over time. So it's probably something where like, I won't actually be playing this Famicom disc system for a while. Right. Yeah. Well, in any case, that's been the after school activities, our theme song for the show, the super jump podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's the one you just listened to. The theme song is battle against a clueless foe by Shane Mesa off of his mother Four soundtrack. Please, 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 please remember to subscribe, review us on iTunes, tell a friend. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we are super jump. Uh, on Twitter and on Facebook and especially on Medium. I mean, that is the that is the website. That is superjumpmagazine.com. Um, it forwards to the Medium page. Anywhere you want to follow us, anywhere you want to get involved, we'd love to hear from you. We love interacting with the community. And until next time, stay, stay super. super.